True Multifamily is an On Air Brands production and a proud member of the On Air Brands Network. This is True Multifamily, the show where we dive in on what really happens after closing a multifamily property. We're going to expose the role of asset manager. That's a person who has a responsibility of seeing the vision, executing the plan, and managing people, budgets, and timelines, all to deliver returns for our investors. These are the real struggles, the real victories, and the real stories of asset management. Welcome back to another episode of True Multifamily. I am here with Kyle Mitchell of APT Capital Group. Kyle, thanks for joining me today. Justin, how you doing? I'm uh, grateful to be on. Thanks for having me on the show. I'm so excited to have um, a fellow uh, enthusiast of asset management on the show. Um, I love what you guys are doing every Friday with your asset management Friday shows. And um, I, I'm just um, excited to to connect with you on that level. And of course, uh, Kyle put on the Asset Management Summit this past year, and that was a huge hit with basically every uh, key operator in the multifamily space uh, got to participate. And uh, and I loved it. I got to participate. Thank you for having me on the show on the, on the conference. And it was a lot of fun. Uh, so Kyle, tell our audience, for those who don't know you, give give us a little bit of a background about who you are and what you're doing right now. Yeah, born and raised in Southern California, and I'm a multifamily syndicator that focuses on the Arizona market. So we own property in Phoenix and Tucson, and we look for value add B2C class workforce housing assets that either have some type of offer, operational inefficiency um, or have, you know, things like a, a longtime owner that isn't pushing rents, isn't, isn't really improving their property. We like to look at apartments like businesses. And so we li- like to identify businesses that are struggling that we can go ahead and uh, put our touch on them and, and get them improving and running the right way. Excellent. And talk to me about why, you know, before we get into your true multifamily story, why the focus on asset management, why the asset management summit? Let's, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so my background, my business partner's background is really in management and operations. And that's what we love to do is that, you know, there's so so much of a process of getting a deal, finding a deal, raising money for it, and then getting it to the closing table. But really, your money is made when you're executing the business plan on the back end. And I love that piece of it is managing the property, managing the budget, managing the manager. And that's what I did previously in my previous career. I was a regional director for a golf management company. So much like property management, but for a different asset class. So my day-to-day was managing people, hiring people, managing budgets, uh, implementing systems, all that kind of stuff. I did that for 15 years. So when I found multifamily, I fit right into that space of asset management. And we really did, just like you, feel like there was a a huge gap in this market um, where people are just not focused on the management side of it as much. I think for the last 10 years, you could have done almost anything wrong and the market would have taken you to a point where you were still profitable. That's different now. That's changing. And you never want to rely on the market to take your property to where it needs to go. You need to rely on your management skills and your your systems and your your plan and execute on that plan. And so, uh, you know, that's what we love to do. And uh, that's why we're really passionate about it. That's why we did roll out the summit, because there's not a lot of people out there teaching others on how to manage these multi-million dollar businesses and what to do when you do get in trouble or, or stuck. Uh, there's a lot of education on how to find your first deal, how to raise capital, which is all things that you need to do. Um, but then there's another step to that, which is the execution of your business plan, essentially asset management. Yeah, I like to tell people, you know, it's great to uh, to pop the champagne when you close on that deal, but that's really when the work is just getting mm-hmm. started. 
you know, it feels like a, a sprint to that closing, but now, now you're starting the marathon <laughs> and exactly. you got to get to work here. You know, we've got to, to manage to instruction and, and get returns for our investors. And there's a lot that goes into it, as you know. Um, so do you have another asset management summit coming up? We do. It's going to be in April. We're actually going to um, do two a year. We're going to do one virtual that will lead into a live event once all this COVID craziness kind of goes away. So that'll be April 5th and it's a free event and uh, we'd love to have your audience join. Uh, absolutely. I'm sure there'll be some promotions around that and we can uh, we can put a little ad in the uh, the show for, for you guys and be happy to do that. Um, great. So definitely check out that asset minute. Is there a website up there right now? Yeah, it's amsummit2021.com um, and uh, you can sign up. And again, it's free. What's better than that, right? <laughs> I, exactly. I love that. You know, when you had asked me to be part of that, you know, and, and I saw like, it's free. It's just education. It's just people just trying to help other people spread the good word about asset management, business operations. Um, I really, really admire that. Um, can you just talk before we get into your story a little bit about how your company is structured? You know, are you like a full-time asset manager? Do you guys do other things? How many partners? Just give us a little overview there. Yeah. So um, this is something that my business partner and I do full-time. We also have a full-time executive assistant on our team uh, and that's basically our team. So, you know, between us three, we are uh, deal finders. Uh, oh, actually we do have an underwriter as well who does the initial underwriting of a deal, but we're the ones building the relationships in the market, finding deals, uh, taking a look at it, raising the capital and closing on them. And we also do our own asset management. We don't have our own property management. So we do hire a third party, but we do manage them. So right now we've got uh, three properties and uh, hope to do three or four per year going forward. So we'll definitely be adding to our team and need to add a full-time asset manager probably here in the next six to eight months, I would say. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and I love that that's your next hire because um, it is critical to the success of these properties and um, and, and is a full-time gig. So um Let's let's talk about this deal that um, that you know I know might be a little tough to discuss because you said it's it's got some pain points in it, uh, but our true multifamily listeners absolutely appreciate it and and thank you I, I thank you on behalf of myself and them for for getting into it. Um, tell us about this property in Phoenix. Yeah, so 128 units uh, in Phoenix closed on it just over a year ago now. Um, and got it really pre-market. So not a lot of competition on the deal. I still think that we bought it right as it sits right now, but there's definitely some things that we could have done better to start to allow ourselves uh, better execution of the business plan and, and be in a better position today. Now, COVID hit in March, April timeframe. We closed on it in November. And so we had only had about four, four and a half months to stabilize this property, which is just not enough time. You know, you, you typically need 18 to 24 months to fully stabilize a property. And so when COVID hit, it did put us behind the ball. Uh, we have not been able to turn over some of the residents that we wanted to. Um, so that that's one of the reasons why it's a little bit behind. The good news is that it's been cash flow positive every month. Um, but we're still not hitting the targets that we want to achieve. And I think the thing that we could have done better is, you know, they say hire slow, fire fast. And um, in this certain situation, we have a regional, we had a regional manager who we love. Um, she's a really great person. She's been with the company a long time. She has a ton of knowledge. Unfortunately, you need a certain type of manager in there when you're turning over a property. You know, there's a certain type of manager that is good for class A properties that have, you know, good residents and um, 
not a lot of crime and things like that. And then there's other ones that can really get down into the nitty gritty and grind it out and, and get the property turned over. And that's kind of what we needed. And unfortunately the regional we had was not that type of person. And we tried to work with that person a little bit too long before we made the decision to kind of move on to the next. Got it. We're going to pick back up there, but I've got a few few things I want to break down and everything that you just said. Um, for this deal, is this a property management? So you're using a third party company, management company. Is this a company you use on your other deals or was this a new company to you? Same as our other deals. And we love this company and we're staying with this company. We love their flexibility, their infrastructure, their willingness to work with us and customize things. Um, but it is the same company. Got it. And the regional, same regional, or this was a new regional to you guys? New regional because uh, okay. different market, Phoenix and Got Tucson. It. So this is our first property in Phoenix. And so it was a, a different regional. Got it. Okay. So um, for those that might deal in the smaller multifamily space, you know, on the larger deals, you'll generally have a site manager who's responsible for the day-to-day of the site, but then you have a regional who sits over that person and multiple properties in the area. And uh, I don't know how this company works, but for me, most of my regionals are who I speak to on a very regular basis. Now, of course I interact with the, with the site staff, but the regional is the one that's ultimately responsible from the management company to to be the person that's going to help you be successful and execute your business plan. Was that the same for you guys? Yep, exactly. Okay, great. So um, you love the management company. You've already worked with them. You got a great relationship. This is a new regional to you. Um, I do like that you broke down that not every regional, not every company, not every manager is a good fit for every type of property. And um, I think that's really undersold is that, you know, sometimes, yeah, you got to have a manager that is willing to grit it out. So it's sound, you're, it's, tell me about this property. Is there, was a crime? Is there like, why do we have to do all this turnover? Are the tenants just not paying? What is, what is the before picture, you know, when you buy this thing? Yeah. So the before picture was this property five years ago was in a very rough area. It is an up and coming area that has, has improved over the last five years. And you're seeing that. And the person who took it over um, did, make some improvements and was starting to turn over some of the units. However, the market did so well. I talked about this earlier. The market did so well the last five years in Phoenix that they basically just stopped. There was no reason. They were getting the rents they wanted. Um, they didn't need to improve the property and they were a syndicator as well. And so when they sold the property, um, there was still a lot of riffraff in there that could, could have been uh, taken out. They also had a uh, property management company that typically uh, works in the 20 to 50 unit space. So there was just not a lot of infrastructure and management going on at this property. So it was kind of laid by the wayside. It was performing. So it's one of those things where, um, you know, revenue cures all evil, I say. And this property was making the revenue that they needed. And so everything else kind of got ignored um, and need really to be to be fixed when we came in. So the man, from the management perspective, the residents kind of were running the you know the inmates were running the jail, um, as you, as people say. And so that's not a good thing. The thing that we liked about the property is that only about ten percent of the units had been upgraded. Um, the rents were a couple hundred dollars under market for sure. Exteriors need to be fixed, but for the most part, you know, all the deferred maintenance items were, were done by the previous ownership. And it was in an area that we liked. Um, as I said earlier, it was up and coming and it's got a lot of new builds, a lot of new, um, a lot of properties were for sale. So we knew those were going to be turning over as well in that area. So it's definitely an area that we like and continue to like. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. 
one thing I want to latch on to is you said, you know, revenue cures all. So you buy this property and there's revenue coming in, as you said, what else had to be improved? What, what were the other things that revenue was not enough for you guys that you knew that you had to come in and take care of? Yeah. Better quality residents um, is the number one thing. Um, you know, these residents, a lot of them were on section eight, um, the rents that we were going to and the renovations that we were going to prices them out of it, which we typically don't keep any more than 10% uh, residents of section eight for, for multiple reasons. But really it was the class of, of tenant. You know, these are C minus D plus class tenants and we want, you know, C plus B minus class tenants in there. And so, you know, there was crime, there's some drugs and things like that. And, and the goal was to get them out in the first six to eight months. And like I mentioned, COVID hit month four, can't evict anymore. And uh, we're stuck with a lot of these residents right now that, you know, we're waiting to turn over once the eviction moratorium uh, ends. Right. Have you found any creative solutions to getting those tenants out of there? Even yeah. You can't formally evict? Yep. So what we do is we send out a letter and the letter originally was created by the property management company was just, it's like reading the body of an email. It's very tough to see any bullet points or anything like that. So no one read it. So what we did was we said, here's what happens if you stay and wait until you get evicted. These are all the things that are negative. Your credit's going to be hit. You're not going to be able to rent. Um, you know, there's going to be a, a black mark on, on your um, rental history, uh, credit collections will be after you and you still owe X thousands of dollars. And then on the other side, we say, if you move out by X date, we will wipe that slate clean and you can go rent from somewhere else essentially. And so making it visually appealing to people, a lot of people don't, will not read a whole letter with just yeah. a bunch of words. So you just make it bold, highlighted and bullet pointed so they can read two or three words. And we've had five of the, um, you know, eight to 10 residents take advantage of that now, which is great because, on one side, yeah, you're not going to collect that rent, that back rent, but you're never going to collect that anyways. Um, and so we want that inventory. We want to take advantage of that inventory that essentially, you know, maybe you're 95% occupied, but if 10% are not paying, you're actually 85% occupied. And so we wanted those units back so we can turn them, get them online and get them um, into someone into a unit that is actually paying. So that's, that's one of the things that we've done. Uh, we've done a couple other things as well, but uh, that's the one that has worked the best. I love that. Um, you know, it's honestly, <laughs> I'm taking that and wrote, I wrote that down when you said it, because that's something that we've communicated through our managers. And I know my managers have verbally or maybe um, written to them, but I honestly, I have not seen the letter that they've written to them. And so uh, that's such a great point about, you know, just a block of text. People are not going to necessarily read it, but Hey, I could spend an hour and have, have my graphic designer, like put something together that just very clearly shows like some red X's and these bad things and the good things. And um, that might resonate with them. And, uh, you know, that's something that we're still dealing with on a lot of our properties as well. So um, I love that. Love that tip. Yeah. The biggest thing with asset management, it's trust, but verify. Right. Yep. And, and and that goes with as an asset manager to your management company, you need to trust them, but you always need to verify what they're doing. And so we always do things like that, whether it's even emails to potential residents we like to see the communication that they're receiving because sometimes it just doesn't come across as professional or have the things in there that you may want to see as a potential resident. And so you tweak those things and that can go a long ways. If you get one or two extra leases a month because of that, that that's huge. Really great tip there. Okay. So let's get back to the story. You've taken over. We've got 
you know, four and a half months before COVID, obviously COVID hits. What's the next struggle? What's the next domino to fall here? Yeah. So I think this, the struggle for us was the property started off very well, actually. We were hitting our numbers. We were ahead of plan and we were cruising along. However, in the back of our minds, we were thinking, do we have the right regional here? Well, they're hitting their numbers. So, you know, let's just keep going with it. And, you know, I, I still look back and, and not sure if we made the right decision or not. Um, if the property is performing, you don't necessarily want to rock the boat and, and have turnover because whether your turnover is from your residents or in your staff, that is the biggest cost to any business is having that turnover. And if it's your own staff, you've got to replace someone, you've got to get them trained, they've got to know the business. That takes several months to get comfortable in that position. Then the residents need to get to know them and trust them. So you can be put behind four, six, eight months very easily by not hiring the right people, even further if it's the wrong person. And so, you know, when COVID hit, we started to see some some things that started to get unraveled that probably could have been avoided if we would address the issues earlier. Um, and so that probably was our biggest mistake. We've since replaced that regional. Again, I love her and I think she would be fantastic for a different type of property, but just not for this one. It was a heavier lift. And so we needed kind of someone in there um, that could take that on. And also we needed someone that is open to new ideas uh, you know, property management is an archaic business. Yes. And a lot of the people in the property management company, companies have been in the industry for 30 years. So this is how we've always done it. This is how we how we see it and all that. And we want new people who can bring a fresh new ideas, uh, fresh new look to the property and open to implementing technology and any new ideas. I mean, the one thing that I love about the multifamily communities that we're a part of is all of the education and all the ideas coming in. Every day I read something new about something new being implemented at a property that wasn't previously done. Well, if you're telling a, a property management company that has been doing it a certain way for 30 years, they're not going to want to move off of that. They're going to mm -hmm. tell you, hey, this is, this is what's always worked for us. You know, and, and on the other end of it, the last 10 years, property management companies have really had it pretty easy. You know, they have not had to do a lot of management or being creative to drive revenues because the market's done it for itself. Now we're in the flip position where you have to be creative. You have to be proactive and not reactive. Um, and unfortunately, most property management companies are reactive. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that comes back to having a strong asset manager that's going to networking meetings like you and I go to, that's staying up with the latest tech, talking to each other so that we can come back to the property manager and suggest, hey, let's try this approach or that approach and see see what works. Um, one thing that I like to do is sort of experiment different, different uh, reward systems on different properties you know, what is giving a $25 gift card to incentivize this kind of behavior do, or maybe giving away a TV, you know, in a different market or different property and just try to test different things and, and try to see what tech works, you know, do our Google reviews really important or should we can we get by with Facebook or whatever other kinds of things we can try, you know, we, um, it's nice to be able to experiment that way. And then I do find myself, even though our PMs that we've had are, pretty, you know, tech friendly and, you know, I probably as modern as you can be. I 100% agree with you. A lot of property management is stuck 10, 15 years you know, behind and, and we've got to keep pushing them. Yeah. And, and, you know, when you, when you have the wrong manager, whether they're a good manager or not, the wrong manager for that property, that feeds down to your on-site manager and then on your on-site leasing team and then your on-site maintenance and then almost 
your whole staff is, you know, quote unquote, poisoned. Um, and that becomes a very difficult situation to overcome. And now you've got to turn over your whole staff essentially um, to get them going back on the right track. And that does take time to kind of uh, fix and resolve. 100%. You said that things started to unravel with this regional and you started to get this feeling in the back of your mind, like she might not be the right regional for you. Can you give us some insight into, into what those things were, what those clues were that, that gave you that feeling? Yeah. As a manager myself, you know, everyone has a different type of personality, whether that's a, a yes person or a always positive person or someone that's even too hard on people. And so when you're always cheering on your team, sometimes there needs to be tough love. Sometimes when there's a mistake made, there needs to be those hard conversations. And those hard conversations were not happening when things were falling through the cracks or things were being missed. It, it was more, hey, yay team, go team, let's keep doing this team. Um, but this is the third or fourth time this is happening. Why are we saying yay team? This is like, hey, how do we get this fixed? How do we resolve this? Who gets held accountable? And if no one's being held accountable and we just move on, brush that under the rug and, and hope that it gets better the next time, that's what creates more and more issues and it just snowballs. And so that's what I was talking about where, you know, if you're not actually managing your managers and managing your team, whether it's me as an asset manager to the property management company or the property management regional to their managers, that's a huge issue. Um, and so they have to know that there's accountability tied to their performance. 100%. So, okay. So you felt like this person was not holding their team accountable not really owning up to, to the mistakes. Um, anything else that you want to cover on that? Yeah, I think that's just the biggest okay. thing, you know, it's yeah. just, um, right. it, they've got to be held accountable. And if they're not, there's just no one managing it. And so then the, they're left to do whatever they want to do. And uh, things just, you know, things slowly unravel when that happens, when there's no yeah. accountability, you know, your expenses start to go a little bit higher and then, you know, your, your incomes drop and then your occupancy drops a little bit. And so then it's really hard to pinpoint, you know, as an asset manager, what we like to do is identify the bottleneck by implementing these systems. And so we try and like niche it down to the very minute issue, not, Hey, we're not, our occupancy is dropping. Why? No, it's like our occupancy is dropping because we're not, calling our leads back within a, a certain time frame, or our communication is off or, or whatever it is and identifying that bottleneck. When you have all these different things going wrong, it's really hard to identify what's going on. And you have to essentially start at the root of the problem, which is the management of it. Um, and then look yourself in the mirror a bit and say, hey, what do we need to fix from our end in order to get this thing going? And that's what we've done. Um, and we've had to take a hard look in the mirror and make those decisions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Was there any one thing that, that pushed you over the edge or tell us about the experience of, you know, actually making a change in that position? Yeah. You know, what we did is, and one of the things that we love about this company is we sat down with the owner and had lunch with him. Um, and this is a larger company with, you know, tens of thousands of units under management. And so um, that's one thing that we love, but we, we talked to him about our, our challenges, you know, and um, as a group, we made the decision to, to move on and, and, thought that there could be a better fit. You know, it wasn't one thing that really triggered us. It was just 
the snowball effect that we could not yeah. find our way out of. And it was the only solution. And so, you know, he spent several weeks kind of vetting people and thinking about who would be the right fit for that property. He even went by the property to understand it a little bit better, which is fantastic. It just shows the dedication that he has to his clients, which we love. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of weeks later, uh, we were introduced to our, our new regional and we made the switch and, you know, it's still early on, but so far we absolutely love her communication style uh, her way of thinking and everything that we kind of were looking for, sh- she's currently got. It makes so much sense. And when you have these little things and it's not one big event and it's not one huge drop in occupancy or, you know, it's like these little, I call it death by a thousand cuts. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not aware and sensing that it's happening, then you know, you might look up six, nine, 12 months later and realize, you know, you, you've missed your mark on your numbers because a water bill is too high or because the occupancy was a few points lower than it should have been. And, and, you know, 17 reasons why, but they all add up to really missing your mark. And so um, you've got to stay absolutely focused on all of that. Um, And good on you guys for recognizing that uneasiness pretty early on and then monitoring it and then pulling the trigger and and asking for help and, and to make that change when you needed it. Yeah. So now, okay, we're still in COVID. You've got your new manager. Um, can you give us just a little resolution on, on how things are going or, or any, any positive signs or any, any other changes that, that have happened since bringing on the new regional? Yeah, for me, from a business owner mentality, I like to look at things line item by line item to see where we can save, do better, um, improve, whatever it is. And that's kind of what we're doing now is we're taking a look at every line item you know, which we were doing, but we could not get the property management company to do it with us. Um, And so we've made some changes on the payroll front on what we're spending on payroll based on, you know, the demand. Uh, We're in the winter time now, so there's less demand on the maintenance side. So we are cutting some labor there to save on that. Uh, What what can we do to save on uh, the water bill? Now, the water bill with COVID has gone up substantially because more people are staying home. But even still, I'm not the type of person that likes to use that as an excuse. I want to make sure we're doing everything we can from an operation standpoint to be saving uh, where we can. Um, And then taking a look at the rubs, you know, initially this property did not um, have any rubs. We then implemented a flat rub system. We did a market survey and we saw that our flat rubs were actually under market by $15. So we increased them again. And now we're, we're a year in. So we've gone through 100% of the residents as far as the rubs are concerned. And so now we're looking at bringing in uh, con service. I'm not sure if you've heard of that, but I heard of that, but um, it's basically a service that builds the residents directly. And you can essentially um, collect or capture up to 98% of your utility bills. So even so in during COVID, this is something that we're taking a look at. Our water bills are going up. There's nothing we can do to control that. But if we use a service like con service, the residents will actually get billed for that. So now in their mind, they're going to be bringing down their water bill. So that does take another six to eight to 12 months to implement. But by the end of next year, we'll hopefully have that rolled out. And now our utility bills will not be killing us like they currently are, you know? And so that's something that this regional implemented or, or brought to us. And, um, you know, I've heard of that uh, service before, but we never implemented it. We were always a flat rub type of system. And uh, this essentially is going to make up fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 in income that we uh, didn't budget for. You know, we just had our flat rate in there. So that's going to make up some of the deficit. So um, things like that, it's just, being able to have a conversation 
face to face with them and really come from a place of, hey, we all want this property to do better versus, ah, we've never done it that way. That's, you know, you're putting a wall up immediately and there's no way to get through that wall at that point because you're thinking it won't work. We love this person because everything we throw at her, it's like, okay, let's see if this works. And she'll say no to us, but she'll explain why. Um, and we'll come to a conclusion on that, move on. And hey, what's the next thing we can do? And so, you know, that's been really beneficial. It sounds like you guys have found a good partner in this new regional manager. Um, before we wrap, I want to dig back in on that con service real quick. Is that an individual meter they're putting on e- in each unit? How does that work? So I'm still getting information on it, but essentially they bill back each unit separately, but it's not on an individual meter basis. So it's like a preset ratio based on unit size and or the number of people of number of people. Yeah. Number of people in each unit. I know they can do it multiple different ways, or you can just do it simply from the size of the the unit as well. If there's different square footages, we're going to be doing it based on the number of occupants per um, unit. Um, And then, you know, you take the total bill and you kind of divide that out. Got it. Now, I would just want to note one thing that very important thing you said is when you're rolling out a system like this, anytime you're changing the way tenants are being billed, you can't just come in and say, hey, everybody, uh, we're now going to charge you more. You're, now you got to be responsible for your water. That has to be in the lease. And so to your point about it takes 12 months, it's because every lease that comes up, that new clause has to go in the new lease. And so it will, on average, take you 12 months to go through all your leases and get everybody on that. So every month, it'll get slightly better until month 12. Uh, you'll be you'll be back up and running that way. So. Yep, and this is also built in arrears, and so it does take one month to catch up once it does get implemented. Right. So we're starting to put it in now, which it's in December. We'll probably collect our first payment on this in March for the February billing. Right, right. So another reason everything in everything with utilities takes forever. Oh, you know, we, did, we did a water, you know, all low flow toilets and all that like months ago. And we're still waiting like, you know, when's that lower bill coming in? Cause it's, it's like two or three months after you get the work done when you actually see that lower bill. So, yeah. Um, Kyle, this has been a fantastic episode. I have to thank you for digging in and, and sharing all the, um, the struggles that you guys had, but, but really a lot of actionable information on how to get out of it, recognize and get out of a, a tough situation. You know, you talked about um, just buying it right. You talked about recognizing that the tenants um, are, I'm not sure the exact term you use, but you basically undesirable tenants is, is what we normally call them. And, um, you know, but, but being in a property that's up and coming, um, you wanted the better quality tenants. You wanted to, you talked about verifying what the property management company is doing, a really great tip on how to communicate um, through COVID and and the negative effects of if you're not paying rent, because I know a lot of tenants think that they're going to be able to still skate through scot-free potentially even for into, into next year, into 21. And uh, depending on, you know, any new policies here with the, the next administration, who knows how long some of those uh, moratoriums might, might go on. So that's even more important. Um, and uh, then you talked about, you know, recognizing um, when, when there's a problem. And even, even if it's a small sign or, or multiple small signs, being able to, to be, have your finger on the pulse and, and take notice and, and make an action plan uh, once, once that happens. So really, really great uh, information. Let's end here. Um, I'm going to give you a chance to promote yourself and uh, and everything you have going on, but let's leave us with your true multifamily tip for someone that is looking to get into multifamily. Maybe they've got a, a few small multifamilies. They're looking to scale up. What is your one piece of advice that you might give them? 
Yeah. So um, since this is focused on asset management, I'll give a piece of advice for asset management is you need to implement systems to identify bottlenecks. Because like I said earlier, if all you're doing is identifying that your occupancy is struggling, there are 50 reasons why your occupancy can be struggling. And you need to create systems in order to identify the one or two reasons that it is actually happening. So by implementing these systems, you're gonna be able to pinpoint certain things and then you can really ask the right questions. It's not why is our occupancy down? It's, you know, why is our leasing agent not getting back to these leads out until a week later? And then that is the right question. And now you've identified a bottleneck where you can go in and get a resolution because saying we need to drive our occupancy up is not a resolution. It's not gonna resolve anything. You're not gonna be able to implement anything to, to, to get that going in the right direction. Uh, but if you know that a leasing agent's not getting back to someone on time, now you can make a decision to resolve that issue. I love that. It's, you know, not just the the big picture, but the very, very granular. And that's, yeah. that's how we make money or lose money in this business is the very, very granular. And it could be that one change in how that leasing agent follows up with people that changes the whole projection of, of the, the property. And um, uh, I could not agree more. Thank you. Thank you for that tip. Uh, Kyle, where, you know, we talked about asset management summit, please plug that again. Uh, and anything else that you, you want to bring up? Yeah, just take a look at our summit. We would love to have you there. Uh, we do it free because we absolutely love talking about asset management and want to make sure that people that are getting in this industry understand how to manage these businesses so they can succeed as well. So that's amsummit2021.com. That's completely free. We do have an upgrade for $97 to get you into the VIP uh, room where you get to ask each of the speakers questions. Um, it's a smaller group and then you get all the recordings as well. Perfect. Awesome. Well, Kyle, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Justin. Thanks for listening to another episode. Check out our website at truemultifamily.show. And if you have an amazing story to tell, share it on our Facebook community and you might just be the next guest on the show. We're also on all other social networks. Just search True Multifamily. I'm really, really proud to have this show produced by our company, On Air Brands. Check us out at onairbrands.com. We also have an incredible, unique podcasting event that we would love for you to be a part of. Check that out at podmax.co.